What a blessing it is to be here this morning again in the presence of the Lord. Even as the psalmist said, his desire was to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And I guess today you would say um, our effort is in the line of inquiry, of counsel, of seeing what we have for each other to share by way of our testimony and our walk with God and also what God is saying to us. As Ellis was talking about the climb and, and the, the labor that we put forth in attaining the goal, and we aren't at the goal yet, but I believe along the way we, we have glimpses of that heavenly beauty and that blessing that God brings into our lives that we can build on. I know it's true in my own life that there is um, those scenes of heaven that would enter our soul and we, we uh, press onward in that, in that faith in seeing the, the beauty of God in our lives as he would bring those moments to bear in our experience. And I had to think how often this, this involves waiting on the Lord. Maybe we become impatient in these things and we, we want to see immediate results. The words of the scripture to us is, is to wait on the Lord and to be of good courage and he will strengthen our heart. We need that strengthening that comes to us from God's word and from his spirit and from the congregation of his people. I think of the man Simeon. It said he was a just and devout man waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting. I don't know how many days or years it was, but it had been revealed to him that he should not taste death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. And the day came when he entered the temple. It says in the spirit he entered the temple and the parents of Jesus were there. And I don't know what he saw or, or how he knew, but he took up that child in his arms and he blessed God and he said, for now mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. He was at peace with God. He had seen the thing that he had so longed for and that had been revealed to him. And in, in many respects, we are ourselves in the same. We are in the same expectation of Simeon in that he wanted to see the salvation of God. We are waiting for the same person that Simeon saw. That babe, the Christ child. Returning to this earth. The glorious appearing of Christ, that's what we anticipate.
And so in that, we rest in the grace and peace of God upon our lives. As I considered what thought or what message to bring here this morning, um, to think about what God would desire of us to hear and to see from his word, you know, we call this council meeting. I don't have a title for the message this morning, but I do have some things to bring to our minds from the scripture. But I think it's an opportunity for us, as we say, council meeting, we, we want to hear from each other. And I don't know that the Bible teaches us necessarily that before you take communion that you set aside a Sunday beforehand and you call it council meeting and you do all these things a certain way. And you could look at all the applications and the practices of different groups of, of how they go about this. And my effort today would not be to try to, to learn all the different ways and the right ways of receiving counsel. There are the principles involved. But my highest interest today would be to simply look at the word, see what the word says. Let the word of God speak for itself. As it says to let the word of God dwell in our hearts, Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. This can be true at any meeting. I see a spirit of joy and anticipation in doing that. And so I would begin this morning with what it says, a psalm. We've already looked at a psalm. So let's turn to Psalm chapter 1. What better place to begin than the first psalm? Chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the council. We're talking about council meeting. That walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And so in Psalms, it begins with a beatitude, a blessing, a pronounced blessing that is based on a negative. You could say verse 1 has a, has a negative slant to it. It also has a positive slant to it. <clears throat> Maybe you've seen pointed out from this verse the progression that is involved here in receiving the wrong counsel, the counsel of the ungodly. And even as the path of the righteous is a progression and we upward climb, we take steps, we can't achieve what we sometimes desire all in one day. In the same way, the steps of the ungodly, they progress. In many ways, it seems like Satan has a counterfeit for everything that God does, and he presents the other side of the spectrum, an opposite way 
to imitate God. But you have here the picture of a man who is walking along. Maybe he's minding his own business and he hears in his voice, in his ears, he hears the voice of ungodly counsel. And it may cause him to slacken his pace and slow down. And as he slows down, the voices become louder in his head. And he hears these things and he begins to consider. <clears throat> and it could be the very thing that Satan often comes to us with. Hath God said? There's many voices out there that would cause us to question the voice of God and the truth of God. So next thing, he's standing. He has come to a stop. Now he's really hearing the counsel of the ungodly, and he's pondering these things. And, and when you're standing there, it opens up even more opportunity for this to happen. And if you're in a standing position, you, you basically have two options. You can, you can begin to walk again, or you can sit down. And so in Psalms 1, verse 1, it speaks of a man who is now sitting in the seat of the scornful. He is now in agreement with the ungodly. He is in fellowship with them. He is communing with them. <clears throat> I think of, of Judas Iscariot in his day of reckoning, day of decision, he. And right before Jesus instituted that, that wonderful occasion of communing and the symbol, symbolism that was involved there, um, Judas, he went out and he did his own communing. He said he's, he communed with the chief priests. He consulted with them. He progressed in the air of his way in that regard. Blessed is the man that walketh not, that standeth not, and that sitteth not in the seat of the scornful. Notice how the Bible describes this person, the seat of the scornful. It describes them, a person, by what they do. You can say it was a label. We don't like to give labels to people, but... Nonetheless, the Bible describes this person as a scorner, as one who would mock and laugh and have contempt. I wonder what they were deriding. I wonder what they were scorning. And I imagine it would be the way of the righteous. I have a feeling these scorners were saying things and scorning the way of truth and right of the man who walked in them. How do we rise above? And we may be in the position of those who are scorned. We may be in the position of, of finding ourselves in that seat of the scornful. <clears throat> and by God's grace, we could rise out of that. And how do we rise above the scorn of the world, above the mockery and the, and the voices of ungodly counsel. And I believe in verse 2, 
we see a contrast to all of this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Can we be found guilty of doing this? Of meditating of God's word day and night? Would somebody be able to accuse us of this? Even as they found accusation in Daniel for praying three times a day. But the righteous man finds happiness. His joy and his delight, his source of gladness and counsel is in the law of the Lord. And I don't think it's just a mechanical reading, but it's a meditation therein. And it could well consist of the exact words of the Bible, the words we read. <clears throat> I have to think how often the memorization of Scripture can, can really come in handy in your experience because there is so much in the Bible that we can address simply by quoting scripture, and it's a very powerful thing. I would encourage each of you in that <clears throat> to know the words of the Bible and to apply them properly. But the law of the Lord, it could also refer to a, a system, the system of God. We find joy, we find favor in the kingdom of God, the person of God, the presence of his Holy Spirit. These are the things we delight in. This is where we get counsel that has a sure foundation. Not the counsel of the ungodly that fadeth away, that bloweth away like the chaff, the wind driveth away in verse 4. Therefore the, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, verse 5 nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. They now shall not stand in the judgment. Now, verse 1, they were standing. They have their day when they stand, but the day will come when they are unable to stand. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. <clears throat> we, <clears throat> we saw a... Um, a good example of that in in our Sunday school lesson last Sunday down at the river, the, the story of Achan. He was removed from the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And this is the conclusion of Psalms 1. Now, it's not to say that we don't experience times of, of sin or affliction or failure in our experience, and so that God is, is then going to remove us. We have much to be thankful for the Lord's atoning work of grace in our life. And we're thankful for that. And we're thankful for the counsel that comes to us from God's word and from each other. And I think that can be part of our experience here today. And I don't 
want to preach too long this morning because I want to allow time for that. And maybe you don't have a lot of things to say this morning. And that's fine too. But we do want to allow opportunity to hear what God is saying to you and what needs to be heard in our day. <clears throat> I think of another source of counsel that comes to us in Revelation 3, verse 18. The words of Jesus himself to us, to a church. And the Bible is full of words and verses relating to good counsel, good advice, you could say. But the words of Jesus, I thought, what better source to go to in which Jesus was spoken of in the prophets as the one who was coming, who was wonderful. He was the counselor. He was the mighty God, the everlasting father, and so on. He is a counselor. And he uses that word in verse 18, Revelations 3. It says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with salve, that thou mayest see. The, the words of Jesus to us um, yes they are good advice but I think they go beyond just good advice um, I remember seeing these little books you could get to set on uh, a, a stand or an end table called life's little instruction books and in those books, you had each page had a thought or a, and a piece of advice, some instruction on how to live your life. And while a lot of that was good things, great things to apply, I don't know that reading a book like that would necessarily leave you, lead you into salvation and into saving faith with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But Jesus said, the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. I believe this is saying that the words of Jesus to us, they have an intrinsic value that goes beyond just good advice. And so the words of Jesus to us here in Revelation, I see three areas of goodness that could be drawn from this one verse. He says, to buy of me gold tried in the fire. When we buy, we don't necessarily buy things from Jesus in that manner. But I think by, by buying, that, using that term, he's, he's denoting that we have ownership of that thing. We obtain something. It speaks of something we possess, having gold. And then the other thing he says is having white raiment. What is this? Being clothed, being covered. But I think it speaks of our identity. It speaks of 
how we present, how we are presented. And this is not a false identity. This is not appearing as a sheep in wolf's clothing. This is true garments. And we see the importance of that in Matthew. There's a parable in Matthew that talks about a king who, who had a, a wedding. And at the wedding, he noticed that there was a person there that stood out to him. He did not have a wedding garment. And the instruction was given to bind this man hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness. There was no second chance. There was no grace given. There was no explanations offered. It was a serious thing. And of course, we're talking about a spiritual garment, spiritual clothing from God. But it is who we are. It is our identity. And the other thing Jesus told him then was to anoint thine eyes with eyesab that thou mayest see. I believe this speaks to having understanding, having knowledge, not being at the mercy of the ungodly counsel, but we can see, we can discern. We have perception. And I believe as, as children of God who are walking in the light, when we have the fellowship of the Spirit, when we are born again, when we have the blood of Jesus upon our lives, we have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and we are walking in the Spirit. These things have already taken place in a measure. It doesn't mean that we have arrived at the fullness of it. But when Jesus was addressing the church in Laodicea, I believe he was speaking to those who were outside the fold. They were neither cold nor hot. Cold water has value. Hot water has value. It's cleansing. Cold water, we drink it. It's refreshing. And Jesus said, I would that you were one or the other. But since you are lukewarm, I will reject you. There was no eternal value to be found in what these people were professing or living. And it is very similar to the, the church of Sardis. In verse 1, he says, I know thy works, that thou hast a name. Thou hast a name that thou livest, but art dead. When it comes to our spiritual credentials, we need more than just a name. We need more than just a particular denomination or a particular good reputation in the sight of the world. I believe when Jesus said to buy of me gold, try it in the fire, he was speaking of something that does not lose value. It is not something we are apt to let go of because we see the value of it. He's talking about an inheritance, something we own, a possession. In 1 Peter 1, verse 4, it speaks about an inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. That sounds like ownership. Yet this is something that we look forward to, but in a sense, it is ours as we continue 
in the faith. Second Corinthians five verse one. I'd like to to read a few verses there. And in verse one it says, We have a building of God. It is a present somewhat of a present expectation for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved we have a building of God our earthly tabernacle could go at any time we have no promise of tomorrow but we have the promise of a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens for in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven if so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked for we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that which we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Well, it's hard to know where to stop in that train of thought with those words of scripture. I might take you now to Revelation chapter 19 and speaking of clothing, being clothed upon and all of that. Revelation 19 verse 7 and 8 helps explain a little bit what this is. God is his own interpreter oftentimes. 19 verse 7, let us re be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Other and many, most interpretations say righteous deeds of the saints <coughs> is the fine linen. Our righteousness, whether it is our standing with God or whether it is the outworking of our labor of our hands, the things we do in love and service, it's all done by the grace of God. It's all possible only by the grace and the mercy of God by faith. Even as the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10, he said, according to the grace of God, I do these things. You could say according to other attributes of God, according to the mercy of God, according to the goodness of God, according to the power of God and the life of God in our experience, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he build thereon. 
For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The final of the, of the, three, three, uh, the three things that Jesus spoke about here in Revelation 3 pertain to their eyesight, to pain, pertain to their ability. And I think he's talking about spiritual eyesight, the eyes of faith. And I believe that the blindness of the Laodiceans was set, uh, well described in Matthew chapter 13, verse 15. It says, for this people's heart is wax gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes they have closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. It's almost like a, a situation where people are resisting being able to do these things. They don't want it. But the blessing of Jesus and the comforting words to his disciples come to us in the next verse. Verse 16 says, For blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Jesus spoke these words to a group of disciples, a group of men who still had a lot to learn. They, they were, at times you could say, they were slow to learn. They were dull of hearing. And they later for, forsook Jesus and fled at his hour of difficulty. But it stands out to me that Jesus still had these words of comfort and assurance for them, for his disciples, because I believe it goes back to the fact that they had chose to cast their lot with Jesus in the early stages and all but one Judas followed through in spite of the ebb and flow of their experiences with Jesus and their failures they had cast their lot with Jesus and so to me the admonition and the counsel that comes to us from Jesus it's not some impossible to do thing it's not presented as some insurmountable goal, a hopeless thing that we're just probably not going to succeed in. And it's not that complicated. Romans eleven six says this, But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart, Who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who shall ascend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up again from the dead? But what saith it? The word of faith is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. The word of faith. It's not a complicated thing. It is here and now. It is present. It is in our grasp. We don't have to lay the groundwork and the foundation and go searching for Christ in the heavens or in the depths below.
Verse 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Maybe you see that as some kind of formula. And maybe you think there's a lot more to it than that, and there probably is. But I believe that is an important starting point in a, in a relationship with Jesus and in saving faith and knowledge of God. It is in the heart. And the confession of the mouth, it's not that we just recite a certain word that we are told to recite, a prayer. But the declarations of the mouth is the confession that these things are real, that they have occurred. That is what it's speaking about. That confession is made unto salvation. We declare the thing that has already occurred in our life, I believe, is what it is largely speaking of. It is an outpouring of our spirit, acknowledging the things that have transpired in the heart. And that's why today is so important to counsel one another, to hear those things, and to give opportunity for our experiences, however they be. Even as Peter and John said in Acts 4.20, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Does that describe your experience, your Christian journey, as relates to our outward life? What are those things that we have seen and heard? Are they worth talking about? What, what were Peter and John speaking of? I think they were speaking about the miracles that they had seen Jesus perform. I think they were talking about when Jesus spoke the word and spoke to the storm and said, peace be still. And they said, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey the voice of this man? I believe that as we apply our faith and the love of God to our experiences, we will see miracles of God. We will see an outworking of his power in our behalf in such a way that we will have a testimony on our lips of these things, of the power of God. Remember in, in Revelation, it talked about they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. How important those things are in our experience. My mind goes to a prayer that the Apostle Paul had in Ephesians 1 verse 16. He says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. In my prayers. What was his prayer? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Maybe that's the eye salve we need that Jesus was speaking about in Revelation. To what purpose? That we may know 
that we may know what is the hope of his calling. It is a hopeful purpose. It is a, a goodly purpose, something we desire. It pertains to things in this life, not just in the life to come. The hope of his calling. That ye may know what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance as in saints. His inheritance, a possession. And I think that builds on the concept of the hope of his glory, the hope of his calling. It gives us a vision of future glory with God in the heavenlies to which we are glad recipients of. We do not apologize for receiving these things from God. Acts 26, 18 says, To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, but not just forgiveness of sins, an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. That, that's Jesus talking about faith that is in Jesus. Let us not despise our inheritance, the things promised to us, even as Esau despised his birthright. And the final point of, of the prayer of Paul in verse 19, Ephesians 1, verse 19, he says that ye may know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. When he's saying knowledge, he's talking about an experiential knowledge, that we experience it, that we desire it and benefit from God's power toward usward. Do we have that excitement for the, the glory of God and the work of God in our tangible experiences of life. John 5, 20 says this, For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these, to the purpose it says that ye may marvel. Do we marvel? Do we find amazement and wonder at the works of God? I believe that's God's desire for each of us today. I thought of the words of a song, God moves in a mysterious way. And one of the verses it says, blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his works in vain. Let that not be said of us in what God has done for us. God is his own interpreter and he will make it plain. Does the way of the Lord seem cloudy or murky? unachievable in your respect? Does the, the path of the righteous just doesn't make sense to you? But my advice and counsel would be to, to stay in the word and to double down on the word. Uphold the word. Is that not our conference motto? Holding forth the word of life. It doesn't appear very often in our in our sight, but it is on some of our documents. Holding forth the word of life, and that means holding forth the word Jesus as well for the benefit of others and for our own benefit and our eternal good. Shall we bow our heads for prayer? Dear Lord, we thank you for your presence and your peace, your power with that moves among us even in our day and time. May we look and search for 
the hidden treasure, that we would abide in the, in the shadow of the Almighty, the secret place of the Most High, and find his blessing, his shield of favor upon us from the fiery darts of the wicked. But may we be the salt and light of the earth and not just cower in fear. But may we be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And I just pray the peace of God upon each one here today to meet their needs, whether it's sickness, whether it's fear, anxiety, anger, Lord, I just speak your favor and light against all these things that we would find the peace that passes all understanding that it would guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. May you bless this congregation as we go through uh, the procedures we have outlined and planned for us to do. May it be of benefit. And may we encourage one another in the ways of truth and right and live in accordance with your love and mercy upon our lives in the days in which we live. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.